The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As spiritual seekers, we often receive guidance on which path to follow. This might be necessary for some time, but as we move along, we need to trust our heart and become our own guide. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us, a place where we can listen to everyone's heart. Your companion on the journey is Jill Asselin. Come join us now on this path of inner exploration. Here is your host, Jill Asselin. Yes, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Uh, this is Jill again, back for a new week in a sense. Uh, thank you very much for listening and being here today. It's a pleasure uh, to share a bit, of my, uh, a bit about my spelunking with you. That's uh, the purpose. Um, and thank you very much again for listening and, and for being present. Uh, I truly appreciate this has been um, a very interesting week. The work interesting doesn't do justice to what happened to me. Not nothing really earth-shattering, but um, I was saying that to a friend this morning. Uh, a friend is in Catalonia, in Spain. Um, I feel the energies are very different this year. I can't tell you how. I'm not, again, a seer. I'm not a, a medium or anything like this. I'm not a psychic. And I just... Um, rely on my own, you know, my own, um, I would call it my, my day-to-day experience, my, my my earthly experience with a little bit of um, sugar on top, sort of a, you know, the icing on the cake, in a sense, is the spiritual that envelops everything. But um, I don't know, it's just, you know, I'm sure there's the same for you. There's things you, you feel and then there's deep within and it's hard to explain why or how. But um, 2016, I started on a, different, um, on a different foot in a sense. And it's like things are happening and, and uh, things are getting uh, very intriguing. Uh, I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but um, the most recent uh, thing is, it's you know, again, it's something which is meaningful to me and possibly not meaningful to you, but I've been inquiring and I've been doing research about the meaning of the, the day, uh, January 17th, that we just passed, last Sunday. It's not so much Sunday the 17th of January in 2016, it's the day January 17th. Again, it's something I can't explain, but... Deep down, I know there's a very mystical um, nature, something mystical about that day. And um, so I do a bit of research. I will tell you what happened last Sunday in Rennes-le-Château, which is one of the reasons it's a mystical day. But then I do a bit of research. Nothing really happens, nothing really convincing or really earth-shattering. So I put it aside, and then a couple of days later, something else happens in relation to January 17. And I 
I need to go back into my spelunking mode. And um, this is what happened. It's um, it's the way it is, but it's you know what it is. I'm sure when you have some sort of a spiritual tickle, I think it's the best way to describe it. Something is tickling, and you need to you need to respond. You need to do something about it. Except, you know, spiritually speaking, you don't even know where it's, it's tickling you. So this is a very very exciting feeling. Uh, very. Um, Intriguing is the word, but it's not quite the word. Um, again, it's something else. And so, in terms of this past Sunday, there was a special um, event or special celebration in, in Rennes-le-Château in southern France. I've been talking about it quite a number of times, so I'm not going to say much about uh, this this place, which is very um, spiritual in, its, in itself. But there's a chapel there, a chapel of Marie Magdalene with a very strange priest uh, towards the end of the 19th century. And what happens on the, on, the, on the 17th of January, apparently every year, at noon, uh, the sun shines in such a way through the church, through the, a stained glass, that it shows into the church the shapes of blue apples, blue because of the color of the stained glass. And it's a stained glass about, um, apparently about Lazarus, my father Lazarus, and I missed that when I went to visit um, in October. I missed that stained glass for whatever reason. I wasn't into a mode, and I wasn't really impressed by the church. I was much more looking into Marie Magdalene, a statue of Marie Magdalene that I saw. And there was a skull again at, um, by the left foot. That's what really impressed me, impressed and left a, an imprint on me. And so there's a phenomenon um, on the 17th of January in that church uh, around 12 noon. And I've seen some pictures in, in uh, Rennes Chateau groups on Facebook and this phenomenon uh, happened again and it depends on the luminosity. Um, it's stronger some years than others or it shines in different angle, but it always goes through that special um, piece of stained glass. And so that's what it is around that day. I mean, um, over the weekend, I was talking to some friends who are based in the, um, in the south of France. And I was even talking to a new one who is Danish. I don't quite remember his name, but we had a, a couple of exchange. But for whatever reason, I started to realize that um, January 17th is also the, the feast day of uh, a saint um, who lived in Egypt in uh, the 4th century. His name was... Uh, Antonius, or I think it's also called now Anthony the Great, Anthony the Great. Um, and I think one of the reasons why he was known at the time, he passed in uh, 356 uh, CE. One of the reasons he was known is because he spent time in the desert. So he was called, I think he was one of the leaders of what we call the, the Desert Fathers. Went into the desert and uh, spent time there meditating. And then I would assume there was a a real, uh, you know, um, phenomenon of purification when you spend so much time by yourself in the desert, along with the scorpions and uh, whatever camels and cacti. And and uh, I haven't read much um, into the into the the life of uh, Saint Anthony, but. Um, that's what he did, and that's why he's known, I guess. He came back out of the desert, and I think he was 
it was transformed or transfigured, uh, whatever way you want to put it. It was maybe I would assume he had a, some sort of a, a rebirth experience, which is, I believe, what we are going through at this time. And um, I don't remember why I came into um, contact with St. Anthony in the first place. But again, his, his feast day is January 17th. But when I asked the questions, nobody could tell me why Why the 17th of January being uh, his feast day. Possibly that's the day he passed. That's the day transition. Um, honestly, I have no idea. And so then I put that to, to rest. And um, okay, I mean, it's a date also which is significant to me because it's the date when I started um, created a company 21 years ago, a company that I'm about to uh, put to rest as well. <laughs> and um, it served its purpose already. And if it does continue to provide some uh, some revenue and some training, it's I think it needs to take a different uh, a different shape, a different form, which is more spiritual in nature. And when I started that company um, in New Jersey 21 years ago, 21 years ago, I had no idea what this day meant, and uh, it's not like I felt something special. Um, I also have two friends who were born on the 17th of January, but you know these are small details. It's just that. As I explained earlier on, you know, things start to come together. And then you think you're done and maybe you found something interesting and then nothing happens and then something else happens. And what I learned last night is that um, a special kind of a manifesto, a, a booklet if you want, a manifesto, uh, it's uh, possibly a Latin word, was published in... Um, 1616 by uh, a person called uh, Christian Rosenkreutz. Um, I think it was published in France and uh, on January 17th. And we just, uh, the order behind it, Amork, just celebrated um, its 400, uh, 400th uh, anniversary. And for that occasion, um, the order, Amork, published uh, a new manifesto and I read it briefly this morning. It's about a, a young man's dream. But I just wanted to, sh again, to, I don't know, maybe it will appeal to some of you. I don't know. It, it came into my consciousness, you know, last night first. And then I had received this paper manifesto, the new one, uh, in the mail two days ago. I didn't pay much attention to it. I put it down with all my, um, you know, manuscripts or monographs from Rosicrucian uh, Order. And then suddenly, you know, out of blue yesterday night on Facebook, I came across this note that um, the first manifesto, the original one, was published on 16, 16 uh, January 17. And um, that's what it is. It's one more pebble on the path, if you want. So I'm gonna just going to read uh, two or three paragraphs that are very, also very, um, a bit cryptic. But it says in here, as the author of this manifesto, I would like to introduce myself before you set about reading it. In the past, I was known by the name of Christian Rosenkreuz, mythical founder of the Order of the Rosy Cross, a secret society whose origin is dated by historians of esotericism to the beginning of the 17th century, but whose tradition is a lot older than this. 
going back to the mystery schools of ancient Egypt. And it's very interesting that I mentioned that too, because I had a dream this week and I'm going to talk about, but that relates to possibly a, a crocodile god in Egypt. So it talks about three different manifestos. Um, the third one, the, published, the one published in 1616, is called uh, The Chemical Wedding of Christian Rosenkreuz. So the third manifesto, published in 1616, was then added to the two preceding ones. In a different style altogether, it gives an account of a dream I had at the time I was establishing the Order of the Rosy Cross. During this dream, I saw myself on an initiatory journey lasting seven days, at the end of which I was invited to the marriage of a king and a queen, held in a mysterious castle. This allegorical dream, which is interspersed, interspersed with alchemical references, has been the subject of many interpretations, some of which are eloquent and inspiring, while others are far-fetched and even absurd. And then he concludes at the bottom of this page, oh no, sorry, he says, in my current life, I was born on December 13, 1982, in Paris, 33 years ago, the city of light, where in 1623, the Rosicrucians made themselves known by putting posters up everywhere in the streets. And then he concludes, which is also a bit, um, a bit you know, mystical, as I wish to remain anonymous, I am not going to tell you either where I live or what I do, or anything that could lead you to me. In accordance with the rules that my brothers and I set for ourselves long ago, I must remain invisible. Perhaps we will meet one day, but if we do, it will be me who approaches you. However, I would like you to know that my love for the Rose Cross remains unconditional and that it is and will remain my spiritual path until my ultimate and final reintegration into the universal soul. And that's what it is. Um, again, it's, uh, it's very fresh into my, uh, into my consciousness, into my, my spelunking um, adventure for the week. And um, that's, again, uh, not much to say, but... I thought it was so close, it came so close to the hour of the show that I wanted to share it with you. And possibly it's gonna, something is going to seep out of the, of the cracks in my consciousness. I don't know how knowledge you know, comes, comes to the fore, comes to our, the surface. But I felt that um, it was something I wanted to, to read to you. And so, that's what it is with the January 17th. I don't have much more to say. Uh, if any of you would like to communicate with me, I would be more than happy. I have my own account on Facebook at Gilles Asselin, my, my name, my full real legal name. And you can also uh, email me at seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Seeking at nurturingthegift.org. And I would... Um, I would certainly appreciate. I think it's part of my own journey to to find out about the meaning of this day, of this special day, and um, and I will. Again, it's not like um, I don't know. It's not like dealing with emotions or dealing with uh, something that comes out of our own self. It's much more like um, 
a path forming and I've had that experience before of knowing that something is meaningful to me deep down and I need to do a search about it. And sometimes I find out and sometimes I don't. And then a few months or a few years later, this comes back. And so it is. And so and so is life. So as I said, um, it's been quite an interesting week. Um, it felt a bit like, just like the week before, it's been very, um, not so much rocky, but you know, like a roller coaster of, of quiet times, then very high emotional times, strange dreams. Uh, the door to my dreams seems to be more open, I guess, the door of my dreams um, coming into my consciousness and being remembered. Um, seems to be more open than it used to be in uh, in months past. And I'm very grateful. So I had quite an interesting dream this past Sunday, was Sunday night. I dreamed my family and I were in a house. And in the back of the house, there was a pond, you know, uh, a pool of water, fairly large. And in that pound, there was a crocodile and an otter, O-T-T-A-R. Why? I have no idea. And it seems that at some point, the crocodile got out of the water and started to approach and possibly attack my father-in-law. And why my father-in-law? I have no idea. He's certainly an elderly man. Uh, he's approaching his, uh, his tenth decade on Earth. But that's what it was. And um, I felt in the dream it was necessary for me to to take the crocodile and then put it back into the pond. And that happened very gently, apparently. I couldn't remember any kind of fear on either side, my father-in-law, the crocodile, or myself. There was no fear. There was no violence. And um, again, I put the dream to rest and um, I was talking to my friend Altai uh, the next day and I was sharing my dream because it seems to be so unusual and he said the crocodile god Sobek S-O-B-E-K is usually a dream of great significance in Egypt and it represents power protection and fertility so he assumed that the crocodile dream was for me a sign of power And then he asked me, you know, what does my father-in-law represent to me? I don't see him very often. I haven't seen him for two years uh, since uh, Chinese New Year two years ago. He lives in Malaysia, so it's not quite next door. But to me, he represents, you know, wisdom and, and elderly age. And my friend said, maybe, you know, the crocodile is begging your attention to get the wisdom of the elders, whatever the elders are. And um, it's interesting. It's interesting because I, you know, when I get these kind of messages, I, um, I listen. I listen at the same time. Um, I told you last week I had a dream about the number 39, which was very clear with two cycles. Two cycles are two something. And then I was reading for a review on Amazon and I got the, the words attached to the number 39 of Magdala or Marie Magdalene and the Grail. 
And uh, I would like to thank you two people who mentioned to me, I think they listened to the show, not live, but a few days later, and they got back to me and mentioned a few things about the number 39 and gave me um, a link and unfortunately, the link, uh, what they both told me, um, addresses the same point. But it seems that the meaning of the number 39 is that you are being helped. I am being helped by the Ascended Masters, who are strongly encouraging me, encouraging me to work on my life purpose right now. And it's, um, it's a good sign. Um, what it means in, in, uh, no, in, in details is not clear to me. But um, I will be. I I was hitting the message, and I will be. Um, I will be doing whatever needs to be done. So again, um, thank you very much for listening, and uh, for those uh, who want to get back in touch with me, please feel free to do so. Thank you very much. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jill Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in all of us. I'm always happy every week to share a bit of my spelunking and what goes on in my life um, in a day-to-day basis, but also on a, on a spiritual level, whatever you know this means. And, uh, and again, I don't get um, a full picture of what comes to me in, in whatever for, sort, uh, whatever form. But um, I'm searching, like I'm sure many of you, or most of you, or all of you. And before I move into something else, I had a very, um, a very touching, a very emotional experience, very intense, on Tuesday afternoon when I listened to um, a chant. I will talk about that um, in a few minutes, um, and that will be my, the main focus of the third segment. But in the first place, I wanted to do justice uh, to the title of this week's theme, which is called Moving into the Heart and Loosening the Mind's Grip. And I think they go hand in hand, these two things, 
And uh, there's a reason why I chose that title that came about around last Sunday. I think the more we move into the heart, into the spiritual heart, and the more we establish ourselves there, the more the mind, you know, loosens its grip on whatever emotion, um, whatever makes us, you know, I don't need to describe it to you, but upset, angry, sad, um, annoyed. And, and I had a very, a very interesting um, happening uh, between Saturday evening, I think, and, and Sunday evening. And they were pleasant experiences of two different natures. I could tell that one was driven by the heart. It was an experience of a very tiny one of moving into the heart and the heart sending me a message. And uh, the second one was a full-blown mind experience about something, ex something happening in France in terms of sports. I will get to it in a minute. But there was such a different quality in those two experiences. The second one, the mind one, the external one being so loud and noisy but I thought to myself, you know, I need to share that because really the experience of the mind was all, all encompassing. There was no place for anything else. It was very loud. It was, it was very strong too. And it's a place where I would go back and still feel the same quote-unquote happiness or the same bliss. When it comes to the heart experience, to what happened was... I would almost say minuscule. And the message was so subtle. And yet, if you look at the meaning, if I look at the meaning of those two experiences, the heart one was so much more, how do you express it? Great is one way to put it, but it's not, you know, so much more meaningful because it's a spiritual one. It's, um, it's something that happens within. It's something that, again, I think I mentioned that uh, earlier on, gives me a chance to witness my spiritual progress. So what happened with my heart experience is like something happened in the house and my, my wife was doing something that usually, you know, makes me a little upset for whatever reason. And um, it's interesting, that night, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, Saturday night, when I witnessed what my wife was doing, the annoyance, the irritation wasn't there. It was there, but I could, I could sense, I could tell that the intensity wasn't as such as it used to be, I don't know, in the past. I am so familiar with this, you know, how do you express it? This tension that is being created by my mind when I say this or when I think something that is annoying to me. Either way, it could be at home, it could be outside. You know what it is to be upset or to be irritated. And there was such a lessening of the intensity of the experience that I noticed it immediately. I'm not saying it's going to be the case for the rest of my life at home. It's not the point. The point that there was a, a quality, there was a, a sign, I believe, for my heart. And I was able to, to get it. I was able to, 
witness it. I was able to, I would almost say, indulge in it. And I felt very grateful. Very grateful because, you know, I don't know, but I'm doing some work. I'm doing some meditation. I'm doing some research. I'm sending out, you know, blessings and healing to people. I feel connected to those people. I mean, two of them came into my life recently, one in Colorado and one in, in Seoul, Korea. And I can sense that something is at work. And when I see when I see um, some sort of a yardstick in my, my, in my life you know, on a spiritual path, it's really um, an occasion to, to rejoice and to feel grateful and to feel like I want to do more. I want to expand my life. I want to send out um, whatever blessings I, I can and invite everyone into my heart. And the second thing that happened um, was first day afternoon, our time here in the Northwest, there was a, a soccer game. You know, I mentioned my passion for soccer and my supporting a team in France called Saint-Étienne. It's somewhere in the middle of France. It doesn't really matter where it, um, where it is. And the team is not doing great this year, but that's just the way it is. And that day they were playing at home against their rival, Lyon, which is a city about close by, maybe 200... Uh, I would say 150 miles or maybe less. And they have been, you know, rivals for quite a while. And during the first um, round, in a sense, last year, Lyon beat Saint-Étienne very easily, three to nothing. And it was a very bloody game. I think, I don't know what happened towards the end. I wasn't paying too much attention. But this past Sunday, Saint-Étienne wasn't playing well either. And they were lucky enough to win, and they won one to nothing. There was a, one of their new players, a Norwegian player, who scored at the 76th minute. And um, on purpose, I know that my mind, you know, is trying to drive me into these kind of experiences that are not very um, enlightening when I think about them. It's good to know. It's good to be happy about, you know, my team, but I don't need to to delve into that and to, to bask into that, into that kind of, uh, that kind of satisfaction or so-called happiness. And I wasn't paying attention to the game. I could have listened to the game. I could have checked the internet, but I didn't. And then a friend of mine uh, emailed um, to three guys, including myself. And he said, you know, um, that's what happened. Saint-Étienne won. And, uh, that created a very strong feeling, again, all-consuming. All and in the next few days, you know, I was just experiencing going back into that feeling and see how, how it is, and it was still very strong. It is not as much today because it's been, you know, it's been stored away in my whatever memory, but um, I thought the... Um, the dichotomy or the, the difference in between the intensity of these two experiences were so revealing to me that I thought, you know, I need to share those with, uh, with the people to listen to the show on Thursday. And perhaps you have very similar experiences. But what I learned about this, and it's not the first time, is that the heart experiences must be thought, you know, must be but to be sought after, must be, must be spelunked, you know, we need to go inside and we need to, in a sense, to provoke them. 
And even if we plant the seed for those experiences to happen, we never know at what time or how they're going to they're gonna pop up or pop out. And, and to me, that's, um, that's the beauty of it. Uh, knowing that the quality, again, of the art experience was so subtle, so delicate, as opposed to the, the mind, which provides, you know, such a loud voice. And uh, again, I don't think that these two experiences happened to me right more or less at the same time, a, a day after one, one day after the other. And um, that's what I said in the title of the show that moving into the heart is really what matters if we want to make progress into the into our spiritual path. We have to show us that path and we have to walk it. Whatever way you choose to, to walk it. I mean, there's, again, so many tons, millions, zillions ways of walking the path. There are 7.3 or 7.4 billion people on earth. And each is walking uh, their own path, is our own path, at their own pace, even though many of them may be asleep, which is also a form of walking. They play their role in the, in the balance of the, the universe. And so this is what I wanted to share. Again, this was significant enough for me to, um, to write about the heart. And I thought also that it provided me with a very nice um, segue, in a sense, to uh, last week's uh, topic. Talking about the heart and the mind and accessing last week, accessing the wisdom and the purity of the heart. Again, this is a path we need to seek. Uh, this is a path we need to um, to create, in a sense. It is right in front of us. And then something else happened Tuesday afternoon. I mentioned this um, this unusual experience. Um, it's hard to describe. It came about because I listened to um, to a chant, a chant which is coming from um, a community, a community of monks, which is open to lay people. It's called Taizé, T-A-I-Z-E, in case you want to check it out. It's a community in France, not in fact, not very far from Lyon, uh, the second soccer team that I mentioned. It's a bit north of Lyon. It's in Burgundy. It's a very nice um area of France, and um, there's gatherings there all year long, I mean, especially during the summer. They open up the, the community to people who want to be part of it and share the experience, and there's a lot of chants, a lot of song. And one of these songs really transported me. Uh, it's called Bless the Lord, and um, I'm not so much into these kind of um, you know, mystical things, but um, it was really, um, really a very unusual experience. So I wanted to share with you first and then possibly discuss it a little bit more. On Tuesday afternoon, I was really um, into the experience so much that I think I listened to it, um, I would say, at least, um, at least 25 times. 
and it was very intense. I will say a bit more about um, how I felt about it. But um, but it was really something. So uh, I would like to go into the break now and then uh, give you a chance to listen to the chant. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jeal Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program.
Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening and being present. This is a very, um, it's hard to talk about such, a, such an intense moment. Um, and yet I was very surprised because I listened to it again for about 25 times Tuesday afternoon and I felt so I felt such burning in my heart, you know, the, the title I had chosen and was moving into the heart and I was really like feeling like I was moving into the heart. It felt like my heart was dancing. And um, very strangely, I listened to it Tuesday evening again, maybe around 9 or 10 p.m. And the intensity was gone. It was very strange. And I keep listening into it again. I guess it feels, if it's good, it feels as something that supports me, as possibly supports us. But the intensity is not quite the same. And I was really, um, I was really transported Tuesday afternoon. It's very hard to describe when you have sort of a, an intense uh, spiritual experience. It's very... Um, it's very hard for us to realize what's going on and it's impossible to describe it with words.
but it felt so so unique, so special. And I'm sure some of you experienced this kind of thing in many different kinds of contexts. And you can imagine I was listening to, I was in fact watching and listening a, a video. There's different versions of the song of the chant, uh, Bless the Lord. There's about six of them, I found out. And uh, the one I was listening to, in case you want to listen for yourself, if you go to YouTube, there's one that was um, uploaded on November 15, 2009. And that also beautiful image images of uh, the community and people there, uh, I, call, I would call the lay people pilgrimage, uh, pilgrims, sorry. And... Um, it must be something very special to be part of that community. But what I felt is that we can commute, commune um, with the spirit of that community with being, while being here in our own home. I think what really matters is that at the heart, you know, being, uh, being a flame, being the heart burning, when something burns in our hearts, it's... Um, it feels something very special. I don't have too much else um, to say about this. I was discussing also with my, my friend Altai. He's been to Teze, I think, once. And uh, he said, you know, when he was there, I walked and I sang. I walked and then sang. And that's what people do. I mean, there's time for meditation on their own, on your own. But it's primarily... Um, a locale where you can commune, commune with the Lord, commune with the deepest part of your own soul. And um, it's very refreshing. It's beyond refreshing. But it's, it's certainly a very unique experience. It doesn't mean that I see myself going to Taizé on my next trip to France. But I'm very grateful that this kind of, you know, experiences can be prompted on the, on the net thanks to the technology that we have, that we can leave those kinds of experiences. So if it, you know, appeals to you, please, please feel free to, to visit uh, YouTube and listen to the Bless the Lord video from November 2009. It's really um, something special. I would like to say a few words about next week because finally I will have a guest. Um, I was supposed to have a guest in the past two weeks and uh, Christmas is still around, I guess, hasn't confirmed. I believe there's things going on. It's, it's beyond our comprehension sometimes. But she may come talking about um, the diamond heart, the heart diamond, sorry. And I briefly mentioned to you last week um, how it works and what it does. And I, I believe that the experience that I had also Tuesday afternoon listening to that chant had something to do, you know, we can't see beyond the veils, but had something to do with um, my practicing the hard diamond and trying again, the, the purpose is to cleanse in the first place when the heart um, turns counterclockwise. And after a short moment or a long moment, if you want, you spin the, the hard diamond in the other direction, clockwise, and then you start sending out white light. It could be white light going out 
to you to what you need to cleanse and purify in your life or it could be you know anything else I've, again i've been sending out uh, light uh, to people i've heard on the net that are suffering there's a young boy in korea in seoul um he must be at the at the most he must be 10 years old and they his family found out that he had surgery, uh, brain surgery, not so long ago, and they found out that the tumor, that tumor that he had, is cancerous. And obviously, there's um, there's concern and there's worry. And for the waves, you know, for the energy that we send, we can affect um, people and and human beings all over the world. That's um, that's the beauty of what. Um, we can do. We don't need to be connected to the internet. We are already connected heart to heart, and that's what we need to um, harness and 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 spread. So, just a couple of words about uh, my friend Lisa. Lisa Berry will be the, with me uh, live next week. Uh, I've been wooing. I've been uh, courting Lisa for quite a long time. I think she's a very interesting, uh, interesting spiritual being. And I received a bio a couple of days ago, and I learned things about her that I didn't know. That makes me, you know, confirms that uh, she's even more interesting than what I thought. You know, you can sense when someone's energy um, is high. And she has a blog called Rising Frequencies, I think, and she also has a, a radio show. So, in a sense, in that regard, she's a colleague of mine. But um, please come and listen to her and listen to us. Um, I don't think there will be many scripted questions before because she has so much to share that maybe the 55 minutes we will have together will be, won't be enough. But just to entice you, if you want, um, in August 2008, uh, Lisa experienced a walk-in, uh, which occurs when a higher aspect of our soul enters our body and replaces the original soul. At the time, Lisa realized that her new soul was a much higher aspect of herself. She remembers walking in and assisting the other aspect of herself, walking out. And uh, Lisa has a soul name, a spiritual name, which is Akara. I'm sure she will share that with you. And she walked in to assist the planet and, and humanity with a shift into higher frequencies and dimensions. So that I didn't know about her, that she experienced in 2008. And... Um, she works in that in that field of spiritual uh, counseling and um, spiritual healing, that sort of thing that is very much connected to um, to what I do in spirit. Uh, so please uh, come and join us next week. I wish you a wonderful week and um, as many spiritual experiences as you can to fill your heart. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Giel Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again.